Chapter Six of Red Gauntlet by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter Six Latimer's Journal in Continuation. The important interview expected at the conclusion of my last took place sooner than I had calculated, for the very day I received the letter and just when my dinner was finished the squire or whatever he is called entered the room so suddenly that i almost thought i beheld an apparition the figure of this man is peculiarly noble and stately and his voice has that deep fullness of accent which implies unresisted authority i had risen involuntarily as he entered we gazed on each other for a moment in silence which was at length broken by my visitor you have desired to see me he said i am here if you have aught to say let me hear it my time is too brief to be consumed in childish dumb show i would ask of you said i by what authority i am detained in this place of confinement and for what purpose i have told you already said he that my authority is sufficient and my power equal to it this is all which it is necessary for you at present to know every british subject has a right to know why he suffers restraint i replied nor can he be deprived of liberty without a legal warrant show me that by which you confine me thus you shall see more he said you shall see the magistrate by whom it is granted and that without a moment's delay this sudden proposal fluttered and alarmed me i felt nevertheless that i had the right cause and resolved to plead it boldly although i could well have desired a little further time for preparation he turned however threw open the door of the apartment and commanded me to follow him i felt some inclination when i crossed the threshold of my prison chamber to have turned and run for it but i knew not where to find the stairs had reason to think the outer doors would be secured and to conclude so soon as i had quitted the room to follow the proud step of my conductor i observed that i was dogged by crystal nixon who suddenly appeared within two paces of me and with whose great personal strength independent of the assistance he might have received from his master i saw no chance of contending i therefore followed unresistingly and in silence along one or two passages of much greater length than consisted with the ideas i had previously entertained of the size of the house at length a door was flung open and we entered a large old-fashioned parlour having coloured glass in the windows oaken panelling on the wall a huge grate in which a large faggot or two smoked under an arched chimney-piece of stone which bore some armorial device whilst the walls were adorned 
with the usual number of heroes in armour with large wigs instead of helmets and ladies in sacks smelling to nosegays behind a long table on which were several books sat a smart underbred-looking man wearing his own hair tied in a club and who from the choir of paper laid before him and the pen which he handled at my entrance seemed prepared to officiate as clerk as i wish to describe these persons as accurately as possible i may add he wore a dark-coloured coat corduroy breeches and spatterdashes at the upper end of the same table in an ample easy-chair covered with black leather reposed a fat personage about fifty years old who either was actually a country justice or was well selected to represent such a character his leathern breeches were faultless in make his jockey boots spotless in the varnish and a handsome and flourishing pair of boot-garters as they are called united the one part of his garments to the other in fine a richly laced scarlet waistcoat and a purple coat set off the neat though corpulent figure of the little man and threw an additional bloom upon his plethoric aspect i suppose he had dined for it was two hours past noon and he was amusing himself and aiding digestion with a pipe of tobacco there was an air of importance in his manner which corresponded to the rural dignity of his exterior and a habit which he had of throwing out a number of interjectional sounds uttered with a strange variety of intonation running from bass up to treble in a very extraordinary manner or breaking off his sentences with a whiff of his pipe seemed adopted to give an air of thought and mature deliberation to his opinions and decisions notwithstanding all this Alan, it might be duded as our old professor used to say whether the justice was anything more than an ass certainly besides a great deference for the legal opinion of his clerk which might be quite according to the order of things he seemed to be wonderfully under the command of his brother squire if squire either of them were and indeed much more than was consistent with so much assumed consequence of his own ho ha ay so so hum humph this is the young man i suppose hum i seem sickly young gentleman you may sit down i used the permission given for i had been much more reduced by my illness than i was aware of and felt myself really fatigued even by the few paces i had walked joined to the agitation i suffered and your name young man is hum i ha huh, what is it darcy latimer right i humph very right darcy latimer is the very thing ha ah where do you come from from scotland sir i replied a native of scotland uh um eh, how is it i am an englishman by birth sir right ay yes 
you are so but pray mr darcy latimer have you always been called by that name or have you any other nick write down his answers nick as far as i remember i never bore any other was my answer how no well i should not have thought so hey neighbour would you here he looked towards the other squire who had thrown himself into a chair and with his legs stretched out before him and his arms folded on his bosom seemed carelessly attending to what was going forward he answered the appeal of the justice by saying that perhaps the young man's memory did not go back to a very early period ah eh ha you hear the gentleman pray how far may your memory be pleased to run back to hum perhaps sir to the age of three years or a little farther and will you presume to say sir said the squire drawing himself suddenly erect in his seat and exerting the strength of his powerful voice that you then bore your present name i was startled at the confidence with which this question was put and in vain rummaged my memory for the means of replying at least i said i always remember being called darcy children at that early age seldom get more than their christian name oh i thought so he replied and again stretched himself on his seat in the same lounging posture as before so you were called darcy in your infancy said the justice and hum i when did you first take the name of latimer i did not take it sir it was given to me i ask you said the lord of the mansion but with less severity in his voice than formerly whether you can remember that you were ever called latimer until you had that name given you in scotland i will be candid i cannot recollect an instance when i was so called when in england but neither can i recollect when the name was first given me and if anything is to be founded on these queries and my answers i desire my early childhood may be taken into consideration hum ay yes said the justice all that requires consideration shall be duly considered young man eh i beg to know the name of your father and mother this was galling a wound that has festered for years and i did not endure the question so patiently as those which preceded it but replied i demand in my turn to know if i am before an english justice of the peace his worship squire foxley of foxley hall has been of the quorum these twenty years said master nicholas then he ought to know or you sir as his clerk should inform him said i that i am the complainer in this case and that my complaint ought to be heard before i am subjected to cross-examination humph hoy what ay there is something in that neighbour said the poor justice who blown about by every wind of doctrine seemed desirous to attain the sanction of his brother squire i wonder at you foxley 
said his firm-minded acquaintance how can you render the young man justice unless you know who he is ha yes egad that's true said mr justice foxley and now looking into the matter more closely there is a eh, upon the whole nothing at all in what he says so sir you must tell your father's name and surname it is out of my power sir they are not known to me since you must needs know so much of my private affairs the justice collected a great afflatus in his cheeks which puffed them up like those of a dutch cherub while his eyes seemed flying out of his head from the effort with which he retained his breath he then blew it forth with whew whom poof ha not know your parents youngster then i must commit you for a vagrant i warrant you omni ignotum pro terribili as we used to say at appleby school that is every one that is not known to the justice is a rogue and a vagabond ha ay you may sneer sir but i question if you would have known the meaning of that latin unless i had told you i acknowledged myself obliged for a new edition of the adage and an interpretation which i could never have reached alone and unassisted i then proceeded to state my case with greater confidence the justice was an ass that was clear but it was scarcely possible he could be so utterly ignorant as not to know what was necessary in so plain a case as mine i therefore informed him of the riot which had been committed on the scottish side of the solway firth explained how i came to be placed in my present situation and requested of his worship to set me at liberty i pleaded my cause with as much earnestness as i could casting an eye from time to time upon the opposite party who seemed entirely indifferent to all the animation with which i accused him as for the justice when at length i had ceased as really not knowing what more to say in a case so very plain he replied oh ay ay yes wonderful and so this is all the gratitude you show to this good gentleman for the great charge and trouble he hath had with respect to and concerning of you he saved my life sir i acknowledge on one occasion certainly and most probably on two but his having done so gives him no right over my person i am not however asking for any punishment or revenge on the contrary i am content to part friends with the gentleman whose motives i am unwilling to suppose are bad though his actions have been towards me unauthorized and violent this moderation Alan, thou wilt comprehend was not entirely dictated by my feelings towards the individual of whom i complained there were other reasons in which regard for him had little share it seemed however as if the mildness with which i pleaded my cause had more effect upon him than anything i had yet said 
he was moved to the point of being almost out of countenance and took snuff repeatedly as if to gain time to stifle some degree of emotion but on justice foxley on whom my eloquence was particularly designed to make impression the result was much less favourable he consulted in a whisper with mr nicholas his clerk shod hemmed and elevated his eyebrows as if in scorn of my supplication at length having apparently made up his mind he leaned back in his chair and smoked his pipe with great energy with a look of defiance designed to make me aware that all my reasoning was lost on him at length when i stopped more from lack of breath than want of argument he opened his oracular jaws and made the following reply interrupted by his usual interjectional ejaculations and by long volumes of smoke ham i eh pu and youngster do you think matthew foxley who has been one of the quorum for these twenty years is to be overcome with such trash as would hardly cheat an apple-woman poof poof eh why man eh dost thou not know the charge is not a bailable matter and that hum ay the greatest man poof the baron of greystock himself must stand committed and yet you pretend to have been kidnapped by this gentleman and robbed of property and what not and a eh, poof you would persuade me all you want is to get away from him i do believe a eh, that it is all you want therefore as you are a sort of a slip-string gentleman and i hum a kind of idle apprentice and something cock-brained withal as the honest folks of the house tell me why you must even remain under custody of your guardian till your coming of age or my lord chancellor's warrant shall give you the management of your own affairs which if you can gather your brains again you will even then not be i hem poof in particular haste to assume the time occupied by his worship's hums and haws and puffs of tobacco smoke together with the slow and pompous manner in which he spoke gave me a minute's space to collect my ideas dispersed as they were by the extraordinary purport of this annunciation i cannot conceive sir i replied by what singular tenure this person claims my obedience as a guardian it is a barefaced imposture i never in my life saw him until i came unhappily to this country about four weeks since ay sir we eh, know and are aware that poof, you do not like to hear some folks names and that eh, you understand me there are things and sounds and matters conversation about names and such like which put you off the hooks which i have no humour to witness nevertheless mr darcy or poof mr darcy latimer or poof poof a i 
mr darcy without the latimer you have acknowledged as much to-day as assures me you will be best disposed of under the honourable care of my friend here all your confessions besides that poof eh i know him to be a most responsible person a ay a most responsible and honourable person can you deny this i know nothing of him i repeated not even his name and i have not as i told you seen him in the course of my whole life till a few weeks since will you swear to that said the singular man who seemed to await the result of this debate secure as a rattlesnake is of the prey which has once felt its fascination and while he said these words in deep undertone he withdrew his chair a little behind that of the justice so as to be unseen by him or his clerk who sat upon the same side while he bent on me a frown so portentous that no one who has witnessed the look can forget it during the whole of his life the furrows of the brow above the eyes became livid and almost black and were bent into a semicircular or rather elliptical form above the junction of the eyebrows i had heard such a look described in an old tale of diablerie which it was my chance to be entertained with not long since when this deep and gloomy contortion of the frontal muscles was not unaptly described as forming the representation of a small horseshoe the tale when told awaked a dreadful vision of infancy which the withering and blighting look now fixed on me again forced on my recollection but with much more vivacity indeed i was so much surprised and i must add terrified at the vague ideas which were awakened in my mind by this fearful sign that i kept my eyes fixed on the face in which it was exhibited as on a frightful vision until passing his handkerchief a moment across his countenance this mysterious man relaxed at once the look which had for me something so appalling the young man will no longer deny that he has seen me before said he to the justice in a tone of complacency and i trust he will now be reconciled to my temporary guardianship which may end better for him than he expects whatever i expect i replied summoning my scattered recollections together i see i am neither to expect justice nor protection from this gentleman whose office it is to render both to the lieges for you sir how strangely you have wrought yourself into the fate of an unhappy young man or what interest you can pretend in me you yourself only can explain that i have seen you before is certain for none can forget the look with which you seem to have the power of blighting those upon whom you cast it the justice seemed not very easy under this hint ha ay he said it is time to be going neighbour i have a many miles to ride and i care not to ride darkling in these parts 
you and i mr nicholas must be jogging the justice fumbled with his gloves in endeavouring to draw them on hastily and mr nicholas bustled to get his greatcoat and whip their landlord endeavoured to detain them and spoke of supper and beds both pouring forth many thanks for his invitation seemed as if they would much rather not and mr justice foxley was making a score of apologies with at least a hundred cautionary hems and ahays when the girl dorcas burst into the room and announced a gentleman on justice business what gentleman and whom does he want he is come post on his ten toes said the wench and on justice business to his worship loik i've upheld him a gentleman for he speaks as good latin as the schoolmaster but lack a day he has gotten a queer mop of a wig the gentleman thus announced and described bounced into the room but i have already written as much as fills a sheet of my paper and my singular embarrassments press so hard on me that i have matter to fill another from what followed the intrusion of my dear ellen your crazy client poor peter peebles End of chapter six